AI is going to, in my view, impact on original thought. It could go both ways. I think AI might help with plagiarism. You must be unbearable at cocktail parties now that you've discovered ChatGPT. Mark, how's it? A new year. A new year, indeed. It's the new start. We can shake off the cobwebs, look forward, be happy, anticipate new yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, know, all of that. Break resolutions, <laughs> you know. Anyway, but it is, it is a non-trivial year in so many respects. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, let me first of all say this. 2024, I don't know if you know this, Tim, is a tetrahedron. Okay. Okay. Now, a tetrahedron is a polyhydron that has got four faces, six edges, and four equidistant vortexes. In other words, it's a pyramid. So if you took a pile of, let's call them cricket balls, because you're not going to see those forever, and we piled them up on top of each other in some formation, and there were 224 of them, you would make an equilateral pyramid. How about that? Right. Did you know that? Um, I bet you I did that. not know that, I, and I needed to know that. That's important for me yeah, to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to know that. But, but even beyond that, right. 2024 is almost as fascinating as 2025 will be in this regard. 2024 is the sum of the cubes, two through nine. So if you add up two to the power of three plus three to the power of three plus four, blah, 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 nice. up to nine to the power of three, yes. you get to 2024. So it's the sum of cubes except in one. Right. It'll come as no surprise to you, therefore, that 2025 is the sum of cubes from one to nine, which then includes the one. Now, that is a fascinating phenomenon. So doesn't that make 2025 a more important year than 2025? Oh, it so <laughs> does. But class, we're on the, we're on the cusp of, of the most important year of cubes you'll ever see because, <laughs> and wait for it, the next cube year which includes right. 10, right. will be in 3025. And okay. regardless of advances in medicine, I doubt we'll <laughs> still be doing this podcast. Or at least if we are, it'll be a different technology. How about those for 2024 numbers? Go 2024! Incredible. I mean, I, I really did not anticipate this conversation going this direction this fast. <laughs> okay, well, let me just say this also lastly, that if you wanted to know what the sum of cubes are for n for n numbers, okay? Right. Then the formula would be n squared into n plus 1 squared divided by 4. Just for those of you sitting there wondering what the sum would be for 11 years or 24 years, that's how you would work it out. So we welcome 24 with mathematic enthusiasm. It has got all sorts of interesting things. At least, for example, finally, 8 times 11 times 23 which if you add those three numbers together, you get to 42, which is 24 turnaround. I can go on, Tim, but we've only got so much time. Please go on, because this is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> can I just bring us back down to earth then? Yes, you can. And say the reason why 2024 is interesting is because it is the year of elections, not so. Ooh, and how is it the year of election, if ever? Yeah. It is the world record. Yeah, the world record year for the number of people who are going to the polls. And what else? There's more to it, yeah? Well, there's this year. Uh, the numbers vary depending on how many countries and things you want to include. But it's at least 50 major countries have got elections this year, which include the USA, India, Bangladesh, Indonesia, South Africa, and so on. Okay, And seven out of the 10 most populous countries in the world are going to the polls. 
That means populations of 4.2 billion, which strangely enough only include voters of about half that, right, are going to the polls this year. It is the ultimate test for democracy. And I must say, I don't think it's looking good. No, me too. Take the USA. (laughs) You know, the one thing that people forget about the American election. So so at the moment, Donald Trump and Biden are more or less the same. They're polling at more or less the same. But here's the problem. Just before the 2020 election, Biden was like, you know, eight, nine percentage points ahead of Trump. Yeah. And he only scraped in by a tiny majority. So you know, if, they are, if they are even at the moment and yeah. the polls are as inaccurate as they were last time, we're looking at another Trump presidency. It is pretty scary. I don't see a, a, a good result either way. I mean, if Biden gets in, if he sort of sleepwalks through the next five years towards his, you know, 85th year or whatever it might be when he's finally a presidency, I don't think that's a good thing for the modern world. And Trump's only a couple of years behind him. And so, you know, and it's occurred to me, you know, Trump, of course, is leading the charge, but we have our very own examples here is that if you want to stay out of prison, stay in politics. Yes. And around the world, yes. democracy, which is the lowest common denominator of, you know, of inclusion, uh, is not always producing the best results. And I blame that on unequal education and understanding and all sorts of other things because democracy in the final result only works if you've got a homogeneous society, which we certainly don't have, and many other countries are divided by so many tests that uh, democracy is hard to see. No, Mark, you can't say that. You can't say that. It's not true. I mean, uh, if you look at the development of countries all around the world over a longer span of history, democracies win. They just win. It's just a good idea. Oh, they definitely win. You know what I mean? And the reason they win is because there's a kind of random aspect to an authoritarian regime. Some authoritarian regimes, they work like a bomb. And then everyone says, oh my God, we should follow that authoritarian regime. Look how well they've done. But then the next person who comes in messes it up completely. And the downturn is harsher than the downturn during democracy. I mean, you know, there's one way of looking at this Trump thing that could provide us some sustenance. So let's assume that Trump does get in, okay? What damage can he physically do? Well, you know, some, that it's bad news for Ukraine. It's bad news for, you know, sort of international cooperation. Trade might take a hit, but the consequences will be eminently handleable in the longer term, over the longer term, right? Yeah. So I don't think that democracy depends on homogeneity. It does eventually, you know, it bends towards sense. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It bends towards popular outcomes. By definition, it bends towards popular outcomes. I agree with you that it is is the best that we've got. And I'm not arguing that, and I don't support uh, dictatorships or authoritarian in in, in any way. But it seems to me, once you're in, you get to stay in. Okay, And that's what I'm criticizing. And I'm also saying this. If you want to have a proper result of democracy, then everyone must vote. Right. right, And a lot of the protest vote, the protest against the status quo, abstain right. from voting you know, in protest, as it were. And actually, that's where the swing vote lies, and that's where change will come from. And so, you know, all of those kinds of things worry me a little bit. If I look at the 
at uh, how long have you been in power leaders around the world? There are quite a few of them, and a lot of them are at war and stuff. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know. So when you when you get tired of economics, you start a fight. As you were mentioning before, it is going to be a remarkable year because those swing voters are going to be the focus, yeah. you know, for the first yeah. time. That, this is your point, yeah. not mine, but I, I do think it is interesting. I think you're right. Well, the other thing that worries me a little bit, uh, listening, because now we're going into this, uh, you know, electioneering, if, if I can call it that, it seems to me that politicians have somehow got a license to say things that have absolutely no evidence supporting them historically or no foundation for truth or logic in the promise. And so the uninformed public, that is to say the public that only relies on the utterances of aspirant politicians, are voting on the basis of, you know, whimsical imaginations properly orchestrated into a speech. What do you think of that? (laughs) Take that. All right. All right. Okay. So that's interesting about what's going to happen in America. What's going to happen in South Africa? Well, you know, I don't get paid enough to do this. Okay. so (laughs) (laughs) But there can be no question in my mind that there's going to be some sort of gathering after the election, if not before. Once the results are known, people are, I believe, going to have to gather. I think there's every chance that the ANC will below, go below 50. Yeah. But I think they have as good a chance as anybody, if not better, to form a coalition government. Okay. And so that you know ensures their continued power. I think that's the most likely outcome. The only way I think we would change all of that if we scrap all of our you know color schemes and allegiances and create one opposition party, if you like. And so maybe you'll just have the ANC, the EFF, and the new gathering, and then you might get a different result. But I think more of the same with a few deals done about key ministries. Now, if that is the case, and if the, let's call them the two percenters, can gather together and create a deal where they get to choose some key ministries, I think we will on the way to a better world. And those would include things like infrastructure and education and healthcare. And you know, I can name, say, five, which I think will change the world. That's my view. Yeah, a lot of kind of political commentators say that this is the crossroads year. It's a yeah. crucial year, but I mean, everybody says that every time an election happens. Yeah, and I'm not sure that is in fact the case. But what is clear, at least to me, or I think it's clear, is that we're marching towards a more competitive political system. And yeah, honestly, I think that's a good thing. That's got to be good. That's got to be good. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be good. So you know, bring it on. You know, the other thing yeah. about elections, I think that people generally don't appreciate is how fast things move in the last phases of the election. Yeah. You know, you can't really see this. We just have too few opinion polls in South Africa to test this. But, you know, if you look at what happens in polling, the last few days can make a massive difference. I still think that Trump won 2016, you know, in the last week. As did our president. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be too much fun. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, it is going to be too much fun. Have you got any other numbers that are interesting? I hesitate to ask that now because you're going to give us mathematical formulas and tell us how... So I'm going to summarize my answer to that involved question by saying no. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do want to talk about a little bit, which has been in the news lately, particularly as it relates to Ivy League universities around the world and other things, is plagiarism. Okay. Now, plagiarism is theft. That's all. It's the same as stealing money. 
Right. Except that you're stealing far more valuable things than money, people's ideas and the fruits of their labor and things of this nature. And I think it's a disgusting thing to do. Eh? And it's, I think it's going to be harder and harder to discern. And AI is making the coming together of other people's ideas more readily accessible. And so it's going to, in my view, impact on original thought. And for example, we see now, finally, that Claudine Gay has had to resign as the head of Harvard, not, not only based on her response to the genocide discussion in Senate, but also to accusations of plagiarism. And we've had plagiarism accusations of our own. And I think we should all be cautious how clever we become by looking up things instead of thinking about them. And I think that's not a good thing. Doesn't AI make plagiarism impossible? I mean, isn't it now so easy to discover? You know, I, I'll tell you what this I, I was writing a column about Alvin Toffler, the futurologist. I read it, Tim. I read it. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I wanted to know whether Alvin Toffler had ever used in any of his books yeah. the word artificial intelligence. Yeah. So you could have Googled that. I could have Googled that. He didn't, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I happened to ask ChatGPT that question yeah. just to know for myself whether that was a. So ChatGPT said no, he didn't, but it continued in a way that Google wouldn't have, explaining, you know, w what his position was on the impact of technology on on society, and it's you know it added another kind of dimension to it. It wasn't a simple answer, yes, no. It's a great source of information. I think AI might help with, yeah. with plagiarism. And I think people might stop plagiarizing because it might become just too dangerous to do it. Yeah, you can easily be found out. You can just take the phrase and ask GPT if that's come from somewhere else and that's, that's easy to find out. But it does tempt one, as it clearly tempted you, into shortcuts <laughs> to information. Okay. You <laughs> shortcut this person. <laughs> well, it's not a shortcut. I had to, you know, ask the question. I had to load up chat GPT. You're a shortcut. Not everyone can ask you chat GPT. And I, I just worry that, I mean, when people can get awarded PhDs, assume that is done by an informed peer group of sorts. Yeah. You know, then I, I worry where we'll get to. Anyway, I, on balance, I think it's a fabulous foundation of information, but I won't ever subscribe to the notion that it can replace or be more valuable than original thought. It could go both ways, couldn't it? It could, yeah. it could make people who are ignorant about things like whether Alvin Toffler used the word artificial intelligence. No. <laughs> seem more no. intelligent than they are. <laughs> you must be unbearable at cocktail parties now that you've discovered chat. Be unbearable. Well, what do you know? Yeah, well, Toffler, my mate Toffler. You know, I can just tell you, running on me. Anyway, let's let's move on to a different topic. Okay. Well, it's the beginning of the school year, right? And one of the favourite things we used to do at school was have show and tell day. Okay. Right. Well. I think we already know who's going to win the show and tell prize of the year, which is a young physics teacher who, wandering around in the felt, if you will, discovered the door plug that burst out of the Boeing 737 MAX 9. Pitch up at school with that and go, what do you guys got? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, it occurs to me that it's rather fortunate that such a thing didn't land on some human being or other animal that would have caused damage. And secondly, 
I don't know what altitude the plane was at, but there is quite a pressure difference between inside the plane and outside the plane and quite a big temperature difference. And I'm surprised that less damage wasn't done to the incumbents when that sudden equilibrium of pressure was brought upon them, which creates huge suction as the airs you know, get into a state of uh, equal pressure. So I don't know what you think about that, but I am going to give up the extra distance legroom that you get by sitting next to the exit. Because that is the weakest <laughs> yes, link yes. on the fuselage. It wasn't only the bolt that fell out of the plane, it was also an iPhone, which was helpful in finding the bolt and the sort of missing pieces from the plane. Because it landed in this field, someone found it, it was working, <laughs> and it still had battery power. <laughs> well, there you go. And then this is from 16,000 feet. I mean, this is uh, just extraordinary. It's extraordinary that a phone yeah, can survive yeah. that kind of fall and still be functional. And by the way, isn't it a little bit worrying that on some planes they don't tighten the bolts? I mean, you know, the, my suggestion to Boeing would be, you know, you know tighten all the damn bolts. <laughs> yeah. Can you tighten the bolts? You know, forget about checking the aerodynamic efficiency of the wing curves. Tighten yes. the bloody bolts already, but Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. The last topic, I think, I just have to get this off my chest. I just think it is extraordinary that the Competition Commission's case, it's not extraordinary that the Competition Commission's case against all the South African banks other than Investec has collapsed. There were something like 40 banks. There's now five still facing charges. This yeah, is after a yeah. decade. They haven't been able to bring a case in a decade. Yeah. It's just shocking to me that this was an ideologically driven case. Yeah. South African banks have had to put up with being hauled in front of the competition commission. They've been derided by, it's horrible. Thank you very much. That's my say. Yeah, well, I mean, they finally have concluded that uh, they have nothing to answer. When I was in my days in Treasury, one of the markets that it was now impossible to think about, even think about or contemplate insider trading was the foreign exchange markets because they're so deeply liquid and influenced by such huge transactional volumes that if you, little Mr. Trader, you know, can think that you can actually affect the direction of the markets, you're, you're very, 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 very unlikely to succeed. Maybe you can snip a few pennies out of a client, you know, by, 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 right. by taking something in the double. But you almost certainly, even with a lot of money, cannot directionally change the exchange rates across liquid currencies for a period of time significant enough to predict and make a profit out of it. So, you know, Little bits of here and there, yeah, but fundamentally ruining an economy or various of the other proclamations that were made, not possible. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's not like the case against the remaining five banks has actually yeah. been proved. All that the current case was about was whether or not the Competition Commission had the slightest chance of winning a case. So now they still have to go and yeah. prove the case against it will be no easy task because, as you say, South Africa has to demonstrate harm. It has to demonstrate mm. that, that what these traders did, which, you know, they've admitted to, they've admitted chatting about, you know, the exchange no, rate. No. They, have to, they have to demonstrate that that caused South Africa some sort of material damage. Yeah. In, in conclusion, though, Tim, try as you may, whatever you think you can achieve on your screen pales into insignificance in the face of, you know, world events and, and exogenous currents, yeah. which are driven by forces much bigger than your trading desk. Even mine. 
And that's where I am. And that's the beginning of 2024. May you all have the most wonderful, you're going to have an exciting year. Yeah. Let's hope more things fall your way than don't. Echo that. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Speak next week. Welcome back. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. For the biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.